Welcome to the Torah Teachers Roundtable, Apostolic Edition, with your hosts Rob Miller, Mark Patron, and yours truly, Mark Call. We hope you'll find this discussion entertaining, thought-provoking, and that above all, you'll be like the Bereans and search out the scriptures for yourself to see if these things be true. All right, good afternoon, All folks, and right. welcome good back afternoon. once again to the Torah Teachers Roundtable. It's a knock edition, and in spite of the introduction, which uh, should have been fixed, and we thought it was fixed and was supposed to have run weeks ago, and I have fixed it in the podcast, it's still not up on the automation, and I'm not sure where. I'm not sure anybody is, but it's coming from somewhere, a blast from the past. Anyway, we are going to talk about uh, the uh, Apostolic Edition, no, the Tanakh Edition, and in this case, what we're doing is we're working our way through the um, the various prophets. And of late, it's been uh, Yeshayahu, or Isaiah. Uh, we're now in chapter 26. We talked about the first few verses uh, last time. I want to just recap one or two things about the first, oh, uh, half a dozen to a dozen verses of chapter 26. And that is that there are a couple of words that seem to appear frequently in there. In the uh, Hebrew, that is, in English, they get translated differently. But um, one of them is righteous. The other one is nation. And sometimes it says righteous nation. Now, the Hebrew word there, of course, is a variation on the, the Shoresh, which is uh, Zadik, or Zadik, uh, depending upon the uh, the flavor of the noun, whether it's masculine or feminine and so forth. But um, ultimately, it has to do with whether or not somebody studies and walks in obedience to his instruction. So a Zadik is one who walks in obedience to his instruction. To be righteous is to do that. And um, interestingly, when the uh, phrase righteous nation is used here, it's uh, often the word goy, uh, sometimes plural, but often it's in the singular form. So uh, goy just means stranger or outsider. And it's, uh, I think, more than a bit funny to, to see it translated as uh, the nation here, because it's also just as right to say it's the person who walks in obedience to him, even if they're an outsider. So that's at least my comment on the beginning of this. Uh, let me read... Um, Verses 10 to 11, this is kind of a song, which is going to be sung. Then we'll go to MP. It says, let grace be shown to the wicked. He will not learn zadika, righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he'll deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of Yahuwah. Yahuwah, when your hand is lifted up, they won't see, but they will see and be ashamed for envy of people. Yea, the fire of your enemies shall devour them, which is kind of an interesting turn. And um, I guess all of that somehow or other seems to be quite relevant today. Let me go ahead and say a good afternoon, MP. How are you doing? And pick it up where you'd like. Well, good afternoon, MC. I'm doing wonderful. You sound like you're doing well. And Ray sounds good, too. I think we're going to have a good program today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I'd like to... Uh, I'd like to get started at verse 11. <clears throat> this is a little bit lengthy, what I'm going to do here for verse 11. But uh, I, I'm going into, into some pretty heavy detail and getting deeper into uh, the uh, Rashi and the, uh, the uh, well, whatever. Anyway, so anyway, East Ordex has a salient comment and overview of the rest of this chapter, verses 11 to 21. They say, 
when El ordains our El's Elohim, okay, when El ordains our peace, a world is in arms cannot disturb us. Our peace results from the conviction that El is going to before us and preparing our works. But be careful to make mention of his name, that is, to give him the glory. Do not be afraid of your enemies. When El brings you back from the ends of the earth, he will free you from the toils and snare, their toils and snares. Let us, as Isaiah 26.16 suggests, pour out our prayers as a vessel its contents. Though, as the Hebrew signifies, those prayers are but whispers. It is true that apart from El, we work no deliverance in the earth. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 18 tells us that. But when he speaks, even the dead live. Yeshua, the resurrection and the life, speaks in Isaiah 26, 19. Um, what comfort results from those that dwell in the dust or self-abasement and despair to look up to the ever-living Mashiach, from whom streams of life-giving energy uh, come to believing hearts, okay? Arise and sing, thou broken heart, even now the stone is being rolled from the poor, from the door of the uh, sepulcher, the growing dew is distilling upon thee, cast out by earth, cast out by earth, thou shalt be welcomed by heaven and sheltered in El's secret place till the storm bursts uh, has spent itself. Now Rashi has a long intro into verse 11 uh, that he's had to this point, or a longer rather intro into verse 11 than he's had to this point. Here's a couple of New Testament verses to kind of set the context. Uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 12 says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to El. This verse, Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, has Yeshua spending the whole night in prayer to meditate on and pray to his Abba about whom he should choose to be his representatives to the world. And Abba gave him the answer that he was desiring in Luke chapter 6 and verse 13 and through 16. And when it was day, he called his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles, Shimon, that was Peter, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Shimon, called Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which was also the traitor. Now, Yeshayahu had the kind of faith that Yeshua would have. He and he, that is, Yeshayahu and Yeshua, he and he wanted Yah to direct all of his and his paths. Okay? The, uh, these guys were, were very, very similar. Okay? I also think that Yeshayahu was the prophet whose ministry most closely identified with Yeshua's. That's a bit of background to help us understand what Rashi has to say on Isaiah 26.11, which follows. Here's Rashi. They say, Adonai, your hand has been taken away. I have seen many Haggadic Midrashim 
on the verses of the above section and the following, but they are not appropriate either because of the grammatical forms or the language or perhaps because of the context of the verses. I, ha I had to explain it according to its order. There is an Haggadic Midrash that states that the prophet begs that the nations not see the bounty of the Holy One, blessed be he, when he lavishes good upon Israel. The Holy One, blessed be he, replied, It is better that they see and be ashamed. Eliyahu Zutha on chapter 21. Um, the, the, the Midrash explains the verse as follows. Adonai, take away your hand so that they see not. In other words, the prophet begs that El conceal his might from the nations that they see it not. Whereupon El replies, Let them see and be ashamed. This does not fit with the language, however, since it does not say, Raise your hand. Moreover, this word <clears throat> differs from all similar words. Every Yad Ramah is accented on the final syllable, Ramah, okay? Whereas the one is accented on the first syllable, Ramah. Behold, my sheep rose. Okay, so, uh, compare also uh, Ruth chapter 1 and verse 9. It had an uh, abbreviation there. I had to think of what it meant. <laughs> Ruth 1, 9, behold, your sister-in-law has returned. That is, Shavah. All of these are in the past tense. This, too, is to be explained. The hand of your might has been taken away from upon your enemies, so that they see not your might, for they have seen that their way has prospered. I beg of you, let them see and be ashamed. And when it says, I beg of you, it's got a capital Y, which means he's talking to Yah. Now here's a Zamra on chapter 26 and verse 11. Hashem, Hashem when your is lifted... I'm sorry, say again? Got an echo all of a sudden. Go ahead. Ah, okay. All right, here we go. Here's a Zamra on 26.11. Hashem, when your hand is lifted up, they will not see, but they shall see with shame your zeal for the people, the fire which shall devour your enemies. Verse 11. Did you catch that? Yah's zeal for his people is the fire that will devour your enemy, his enemies. Okay, The people will do that because his zeal is behind them. Now, when suffering comes upon the wicked, they do not think that it comes from your hands, Yah. But they will see that it is your hand at the time of the salvation. When you avenge your people and save them, they will be ashamed because... Then they will not be able to say it is chance, because they will see how a tiny people are saved from many nations. That all according to Radak, Rabbi David Hakimchi, uh, and I don't know what Avlok means, but that's what it says. Yah's hand is lifted up, and the people will not. They refuse to see it, though it is right there for them to see and to take shelter from. If they are his people which the vast majority usually are not. When Yah gives them to know, and they decide to ignore, they will not see, is what it says in the scripture, what they know to be true, then Yah will see to it that they shall not see. 
they will simply ignore or deny the truth of what he gave them to see. Yah prods us, and we regularly ignore his prodding. He certainly gets some attention, but most of us think they're, we're great men of God when we are nothing but whiny brats who will not accept correction. So as he prods us to move in his ways, we move in our own ways, usually further from the way he wants us to go. The word that's, I'll, I'll finish with this. The word that's translated, they will not see, in verse 11, is the Hebrew 1077, Baal. That's Beit Laman. From the Hebrew 1086, Bala, which means to decay or to wither. So I take this to mean that their character has thoroughly decayed and they are unable to see what Yah wants of them. The next English phrase says that they do see it, I believe with their physical eyes, but cannot see in their hearts and minds and are disappointed. They're ashamed. From the Hebrew 954, uh, uh, bush, which means deceived or disillusioned, if they do. Verse 11 really makes it clear that the people just will not trust and follow after Yah. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? The shame they will see feel comes, it seems, only after their enemies literally devour them by fire. They will experience the double burn. The first will be the physical and of short duration, while the one that follows will be in their spirits, and it will be eternal. They may beg for death, but it will not arrive for their eternal spirits. The direction kind of changes after verse 11, so I will quit here and see if my partners have anything to add. Okay. Uh, Ray, do you? I'm not sure if I um... – uh, go ahead. Hello, MC. <laughs> I'm here. Okay. So, yeah, do you have anything Would you, you like want to – I would just make a, a few general comments. Uh, I'm going to back up just ever so slightly uh, a, a verse or two to uh, verse number nine yep. to begin with and, and just kind of remind us uh, all who are reading this that uh, this is uh, this section is the nation Judah that's being uh, that's being talked about here. Absolutely. So, so uh, Isaiah is talking about the people of Judah. And in the chapter before, we were talking about uh, Jerusalem. So, so this is we're right at the the heart of God's people. So at nine, uh, uh, Isaiah says, "My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you." Okay, fair enough. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. I think that's a fair statement. He's laying out a premise that he he hopes that God will will return because when people are following God's laws, uh, we end up with a righteous society and, and things work well. Imagine that. Shazam. Yeah. They work well yeah. when we do what we're supposed to do. In verse 10, it says, a favor is shown to the wicked. He does not learn righteousness. Let's unpack that for a moment. And I think what is being said here, and, and I think we, we all know this pretty much inherently, when, uh, when, People are not disciplined when children are not disciplined, when adults uh, in society are not disciplined, when uh, folks are not incarcerated or 
or uh, required to pay fines for things that they do civilly that are that's incorrect and all that. They don't learn righteousness or they don't learn the rules. They don't learn uh, right from wrong. They don't realize that there are actually consequences for actions and those sorts of things. This is all pretty simple, one would think, but a lot of folks don't have this right at all, at least in our society. And he goes on to say in the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of Yehovah. So again, uh, what... What's being said is that the people that are, are not called to account uh, or taught righteousness or taught Torah, fill in the blank for yourself, uh, that they just they, they, they deal corruptly with uh, all that they come in contact with. And they don't even for that, they don't even begin to see the majesty yeah. of God and, and what he has uh, what he's set down. Then we go to 11 again, where uh, where MP just was, <clears throat> and I think this follows on in this same sentiment that that God lifts up His hand, God God shows what He uh, what He wishes to be shown, He He uh, communicates what He wishes to be communicated, but they, meaning the corrupt, they just don't see it. Uh, he uh, and part of this is because they've never been made to see it. Um, they, they, they haven't been held to account, if you will. And then he goes on to say, let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the, let the fire of your adversaries consume them. I think the comment that MP made, and, and I, I'm not a huge Rashi fan, but this time I think he got it right. Um, <clears throat> that, uh, uh, that, that basically he's, he's saying, you know, uh, he he's saying the, the 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 fire of their shame is what's going to you know really re- really finally catch on to them and uh <clears throat> and finally uh in 12 uh, uh the cry is oh Yehovah, uh you will ordain peace for us for you have indeed done for us all our works and by that i i think what is being said in this verse is that that ultimately god you are going to bring peace for us because we don't have it within ourselves to do that. This is work that 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 you do, uh, and 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 you you don't necessarily do it on our behalf, but it, it's it's such great work that that we uh, uh, humankind are are in, are incapable of uh, of 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 doing well enough to make this all work out. We, in other words, uh, we're we're not going to take uh, we're not going to take the credit for for uh what uh god for what you provide and, and all that and uh that's i i think unfortunately uh and it was it's as mp said uh we see this so much in our own society and we see this throughout the world and this ain't nothing new um this is this seems to be the the way that that mankind uh, <laughs> plods along uh uh, and uh, anyway, a, a, a very, very good, very elegant uh, commentary, I think, on it. Yeah, we don't just we don't just plot uh, plot along. We actually trip along. We're we're, we're constantly tripping yeah. over our own feet. I would agree. We stumble along or whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I absolutely agree. We we as not every single person, and certainly there are lots of folks that are out there. Certainly, our audience. Uh, we have a, a wonderful audience of people who are 
trying their best and trying to learn and 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 do it. We're all doing our best to try to to try to get this right, you know, and and because we we love the Lord and, and know that what He has for us is is for our own good. Uh, but there's so much of the world that, uh, as He says, God lifts His hand up, He shows it to you, but they just don't see it. They just they don't have a desire to see it. I heard that. Okay. Yeah. Well, so are we ready to move on? Because well, I'll um, chip it back to you, MC. All right. So um, essentially, uh, I, I agree with you guys, and I, I can't help but think that um, one more time, so much of what we're seeing here uh, really does apply to today when it talks about the the righteous and those who are just, and they will learn righteousness. And, um, you know, the, the only problem I have with Rashi in this instance, MP, is that he tends to focus a little bit much on, quote, unquote, uh, the Jewish people, although I think those are later translators that put those words in his mouth. And uh, ultimately, I can't help but think that there's a broader application here to oh, all right. of those lost tribes. And uh, that's pretty consistent. Oh, so, absolutely. Verse 12. If, if, it's, if oh. it's commenting on the scripture, if it's commenting on the scripture, it, it applies to everyone. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> it really and truly does. Well, unless it's just absolutely specifically aimed at a certain nation or a certain people, yeah, I, I would agree with you. And, and he'll tell us that when that's the case, he'll say, you know, he'll he'll talk about either the tribe of uh, this or that or Cole Israel is one of those words that I recognize as being a um, a general indicator. Cole uh, Israel almost always means all of the mixed multitude, the lost tribes and so forth that have come out. Okay. Well, so it continues here. Um mm-hmm. Yahuwah, you will establish shalom, peace for us. For you have done all our works in us, which is kind of interesting. O Yahuwah Elohei, or this is Eloheinu, R-L, masters beside you have had dominion over us. Now, when I read that, i got to pause just a second, guys, and say, uh, gee, do we recall a place where Yeshua says that um, you cannot serve two masters. You'll love one, you'll hate the other. And um, uh, Paul, yep. too, talks about serving another Jesus whom we've not preached. And it looks to me like what he's saying here is, uh, yeah, the prophet Isaiah recognizes <coughs> this as well. Uh, our Eloheinu, masters beside you have had dominion over us. So people are at this point realizing that. But by you only, we make mention of your name. What, the name that they keep taking out and put in capital L-O-R-D in there? Maybe so. But by you only, we make mention of your name. They're dead. They will not live. They are deceased. They won't rise. Therefore, you have punished and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. And um, here is where that word that I've mentioned a couple times is going to appear again. The word here is goy in the singular. You have increased the nation, the goy, O Yahuwah. You have increased the goy. You are glorified. You have expanded all the borders of the land. So I realize this is not the standard interpretation, but when I see goy in the singular, and don't translate it as um, as nation, but translate it as the stranger or the individual, and it says you have increased the stranger, O Yahuwah, you have increased the stranger. You are glorified. You've expanded all the borders of the land. Does anybody else think, huh, that might have some relevance to day too. All right, Ray, let's go to you this time. All righty. Uh, let me go back, figure out where we're going. Um, an interesting thing, I read, uh, I happened to be looking through the, uh, I have a, a copy of the Companion Bible, which is annotated by E.W. Bullinger, who's a 19th century 
Anglican theologian, um, brilliant, brilliant fellow. Remember in scripture. Yeah, yeah. He he's written a number of books. Uh, uh, Witness in the Stars, Number in Scripture. Uh, He's annotated the Companion Bible along with its, I think, 150 some appendices in the back and all that. Brilliant fellow, just an utterly brilliant fellow. Absolutely. Uh, And it's interesting here in. he kind of posits something, and I don't know where he gets it. I, I was looking, and I just can't find it. Uh, in hit. Whoops, wait a second. Well, we are at I'll, the break, I'll let you know on the other up. side. And I pray, don't take me soon, because I am here for a reason. Sometimes in my tears I drown, but I never let it get me down. So when negativity surrounds, I know something. the uh, second half of the first hour of the Tour Teachers Roundtable, Tanakh edition. And uh, let's see, I think we uh, interrupted Ray, if I'm remembering right. So uh, go ahead, Ray, pick it up where you'd like. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I wasn't, I didn't have my eye on the clock very well there. Pardon me. Uh, just a, a couple of comments on verse 13 and 14. As I mentioned before, I was reading through the Companion Bible that's uh, annotated by E.W. Bullinger. And, and it would, an interesting comment that was made in one of the sidebars there that he mentioned uh, where we see in uh, verse 13, where it talks about the other lords that have ruled over us. Uh, that's uh, Adon uh, and all that. He makes a mention that, that this, because this is uh, an oracle that's speaking to Judah and this and that, that these other lords uh, that he's making reference to, perhaps it was the Rephaim, the, uh, the, the giants of the land, that right. had been there before, and that uh, because they, uh, uh, as they were put down, ultimately that they will not resurrect and they will go to destruction, be wiped out, and all this sort of thing. They are shades. I think that's Rafa in uh, in the Hebrew. There, uh, they they're yes, spirits of the departed, and all this sort of thing. He kind of brought that up, and I I I don't know where necessarily that notion came from but he's a pretty smart fellow and so i just wondered i I throw that out at you guys don't know if you know anything about that but i thought that was sort of fascinating that he makes uh that he makes reference here to the other people that have ruled over them in the past and 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 ultimately he says we're not going to remember them at all we're going to bring your name yah to to sikron to 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 our remembrance uh and all that so 
I'll, I'll throw that grenade out there and, and see what you guys have got. Well, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about it that way. Like I said, I, I read this and I think about the things today. Obviously. I've never seen it. Yeah, and and um, so it's a it's a whole different take. Uh, MP, anything? Um, no, <laughs> no, not really. I never thought of it from that. Perspective. Yeah, it, it was just kind of uh, almost a non sequitur, and I just thought, wow, that's interesting. I've never thought of it. I, I there wasn't even a, a clue in the text that I saw that might have you know sort of pointed back towards that. And uh, don't know where he got it, so I thought I'd throw it out to for mine's better than my own. So I guess we could we could we can move on to you, MP, and you can show us some other stuff. Okay, well, you know, you're uh, you're talking to a guy that got whacked in the head with a tree 15 years ago. I may have known that 20 years ago, but I don't know. If that. <laughs> well, I, I, that's all right. I can relate to that. So, <laughs> all right, let's see. I'm going to move into verse 12. Uh, I can do 12 through 14. And yeah, that'll good. be good. That'll be good. Have we read that yet, Mark? Um, okay. Yes, we have. We have. Okay. Uh, Rashi has this on verse twelve. He says, "You shall prepare." That is, tish pot. Okay. You shall prepare. Uh, compare that with Second uh, Kings four thirty eight. Prepare shiput shipot. Okay, and they moved the they moved the uh, the the tav and the shin so that uh, but it's the the same thing. It means the pot. Anyway, and for the dust of the earth you have prepared me. Okay, and that is tish tish patenu. Okay, is what the, what that one says. So tish pot is uh, um, or something like is the root word. All of these can likewise be interpreted as an expression of placing or establishing. Um, you shall establish peace for us, is one of the ways you can translate it. Um, the Hebrew word shafat means uh, to establish, to put in its proper place. Yeah. Yah wants his people to answer his call in the affirmative, but they are expecting him to guide them while he expects them to obey him. Okay, it's a little bit different. That ain't happening. Rashi again. For also the recompense of all our deeds, that is, our evil deeds, is the way that he puts it. Yah will see to it that they are recipients of exactly what they have earned. And again, have you dwelt with, uh, to, uh, I'm sorry, have you dealt to us commensurate punishment for them who we have uh, received from your hand for all your our sins? And the answer to that question is <laughs> probably no. <laughs> On verse 13. Thankfully. Um, I'm sorry? I said thankfully we yeah. have not received what we deserved. <laughs> Absolutely. If we received what we deserved, this place would be a burnout center. That's anyway. true. <laughs> <laughs> On verse 13. Have possessed us is what it says in the KJV. Um, uh, dominion uh, has had dominion over us is what it says in the KJV. Pagan conquerors have become our masters and have oppressed us. Okay, Rashi gets it in verse 13. The surrounding people groups will take advantage of Israel's fallen position in Yah's eyes and exploit Israel's weaknesses. That's the point. Uh, 
the the uh, the enemies of Israel, all they need to do is watch to see if they're doing things that Yah did not tell them to do, or specifically told them not to do, and then attack, because that's when they're going to be uh, um, uh, vulnerable. Yah, Yah will not be there to protect them in all that they do. They need to get corrected, and that's probably what the uh, invader is all about. That may be what the uh, the uh, October seven had to do. Uh, you know, I mean, not just that that uh, Hamas wanted to destroy Israel and kill everybody, but that Israel may have done something as a nation that Yah had to punish. It's a very good possibility. Okay, now I've got a. I've got, my daughter-in-law is the uh, the daughter of a, a German Jewish doctor and a German mother, okay, who's a Christian, okay, and she was was ashamed at what Germany did to the Jews in World War II. So when she got old enough, she moved to Israel so that she could help Israel to for in any way they could, and she's a nurse, so. She went to work at a hospital where she met her now husband. Okay? And it's it's really interesting. They have six children, four daughters, two sons. Both sons are in the IDF. Okay? They are American citizens who have gone to Israel to fight in the IDF. And the same with the husbands of all the daughters, except for my son who lives in Colorado Springs. Okay? So, <laughs> it's... It's absolutely just amazing. That family is so rooted in Israel that it uh, that it, it it astounds me. It really and truly does. And all of those kids are really, really sharp, too. They know what they're doing. Anyway, uh, got off on a tangent. I'm sorry about that. The Hebrew word shafat means to establish, to be put in its proper place. Yah wants his people to answer his call in the affirmative, but they are expecting him to guide them while he expects them to obey him. <clears throat> that ain't happening. Rashi again. For also the, the recompense of all our deeds, our evil deeds, is what Rashi says. Yah will see to it that they are recipients of exactly what they have earned. And again, have you dealt, with, dealt to us commensurate punishment to them that we have received from your hand for all of our sins? Okay, in verse 13, he says, have possessed us. Pagan conquerors have possessed us, have become our masters, and have oppressed us. Rashi gets it in verse 13. The supporting people groups will take advantage of Israel's fallen position in Yah's eyes and exploit Israel's wellness, or weaknesses, rather. I'm, I'm serious. If they know the Hebrew Scriptures, and they know what Yah expects of Israel. All they have to do is wait until they get away from it, and then attack. And Yah will let the attack happen because they need to be straightened out. It's absolutely amazing. I think that's probably what happened last year. Or, yeah, last year. Anyway, um, uh, other than you, in a matter contrary to your will, to seek other L's, to transgress your Torah. But we, only concerning you, have we mentioned, um, oh man, I screwed something up. Anyway, and we will not ascribe the name of his, 
uh, to another L, only to him alone. Okay, so they're they're gonna they're gonna only ascribe to Elohim. Oh, I see. I'm sorry, I I made up a word um, to seek other L's. He says only according to only concerning you have we mentioned Eliness. Okay, godliness, and we will not ascribe the name of his godliness to other Elohims, only to him alone. And I'm going to quit there on uh, verse 13. I'll cover 14 and some some more a little bit later. Go ahead. All right. Mark, uh, MP or MC, you got a comment? I, I've got one on, on October 7th. Go, go ahead. Go for it. Okay, Did, didn't want to run you off the road there. Um, <clears throat> I think the, the thing that's being s- spoken of there and, and, I, and I'm with you, uh, I'm with Rashi on this one as well, um, that I think Israel's enemy or, or the enemies of God will be, become even broader with that. I think they absolutely watch and are watchful as to what's going on. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's fascinating if you think back uh, to the uh, Torah portion, uh, Balak, where, uh, where Bila'am, uh, where where we get a prophet that's hired to come in and curse Israel and all that he won't right. do it can't do it this and that and the other thing finally at the end of the at the end of the portion uh, he says well but look I know another way you can trip him up come over here and let's talk for a minute yep and he gives him some advice that, that then shows up in the uh, parashat pinkas <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> so so that that that's certainly at work here and and I think that. Uh, Part of that has to do with uh, calendars. I think the 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 uh, enemies of of God watch the Hebrew calendar, uh, watch at least the the current Hillel calendar that that the nation is following right now, uh, <clears throat> and they know they know when the Yom when Yom Kippur is. That's why <laughs> back in the seventies uh, the Yom Kippur War happened on Yom Kippur. People, everyone, everyone that was called up to that remembers what they were doing that morning when, uh, when the air raid sirens started. Uh, I think on October 7th, the same thing is going on. Everybody, uh, d- despite, despite what had happened, uh, during the course of the week of tabernacles and all that, the great day, uh, happened to be on a Shabbat that day and, and, and folks were, uh, uh anticipating an especially festive day. And, yeah. and that's when all this uh, broke out. To if, think if that I, uh, the folks in in uh, Gaza didn't know what what the rest the nation Israel was doing would be uh, crazy foolish. Of of course they knew what was going on, Ray, and they took absolute advantage of it. Yeah, Ray, if I may, I not, only, I not only agree with you, it's part of the reason I don't like anything associated with calling it October the 7th. It is the final Sabbath of Sukkot. You know, there are, there are a number of ways that people say that in here. Right. But, but it really is not got anything to do with October 7th. It's got to do with the end of Sukkot, the final great day. And that was exactly you're the reason why right. it happened then. Yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. It was, it's the great day. Yeah. And they yep. knew, and they knew exactly what they were doing, and and it was timed, uh, therefore, for maximum effect. And uh, so I think that this is uh, this this comment on uh, <clears throat> uh, th- that was made in terms of the enemies of uh, of God looking to see what people are doing, and if you see the nation of Israel going wrong, or you see that simple things, they 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 exploit 
they exploit those weaknesses. That's, uh, yep. uh, that, that, that's in, in war, those things happen. That, that's, that, that's part of what it's, uh, what strategy is all about, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you know, if you know that, that the nation follows after Yah in some way, and then you see that they're going against what Yah tells them in the scripture, that's the time to attack. It just makes sense. Yah is going to let them be punished. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> and he's not going to let them be annihilated, but he's going to let them be punished. And that's the idea, I think. Sure, they take they take every every advantage. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Can I move on through verse fourteen? Only about a minute and a half or two minutes of notes here. Go ahead. Okay. Here's a Zomron verses thirteen and fourteen. Verse thirteen and following. After their redemption from the armies of Gog and Magog. Israel will recall how they were dominated by earthly masters throughout their long exile, yet they never applied El's name to anything or anyone other than him. In verse 13, they are dead, they shall not live, verse 14 says. Radak explains, this is a a reference to the lifeless idols of the nations, like Rashi uh, takes it as a prayer, that the wicked should not live the life of the world to come, and that the shades, the Rephaim, believe it or not, um, those are weakened their hands from the, I'm sorry, those who weakened their hands from the Torah and refused to keep it should not arise. Okay, Rashi has this on verse 14, the dead shall not live. (laughs) Well, that makes sense. May it be your will, He's, he's talking to Yah now. May it be your will that these wicked men shall not live in the world to come, and that these slackers who slacken their hands from your commandments shall not have restoration. Rashi actually made that prayer and wrote it down. Okay, He ascribed the same fate to the wicked pagan men and to the slacker Israelites who did not live by Torah's commands and promised to be, and promises to be faithful. Now that is ascribed to us, all of the show hosts and all of the listeners in KSLM land. There are, or there were, some overcomers in both audiences, Yeshayahus, Azamras, Rashis, and HNRs. But how many are going to meet Rashi and and the show hosts and Rav Greenbaum of Azamra? That's for you all at KSLM land to figure out, okay, you people that are listening to this thing on the radio, you got to get in line with what the scripture says. Now, still Rashi on verse 14. Therefore, you visited upon them, and you destroyed them. Have you not already visited upon them and destroyed them with the words of your mouth, like the matter that is stated in Exodus 7, 17, 14? For I will surely erase the memory of Amalek. Mm. Yah will see to it that Amalek and all of his enemies uh, will be consumed in the fire of the utter dissolution in all, of all matter before the recreation of the new heavens and earth and the universe full of planets that will be perfect for life. Every one of them. When, when he creates the new heavens and the new earth, everything that you see in the sky from the earth will be habitable. 
Okay. Mm. Hey, did I sound like Tiny Tim just then? <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> anyway, and I'm talking about Tiny Tim in the, not the not the singer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're talking about Charles Dickens, right? Anyone. <laughs> anyway. That's what I got through 14. Okay. Um, are you ready to move on, Ray? You want to um, you want to pause? Anything else on any of this? No. Go go ahead. Go ahead, MC. Okay. So um, let's see. We're about verse 16 here, where um, you have increased the goyim. He says, and you have increased the goyim. Yahuwah, in trouble, they have visited you. They poured out a prayer when your chastening was upon them. As a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs when she draws near the time of her delivery. Here's another metaphor we see Yeshua using. Uh, seems like there is a lot of overlap, if you've noticed, between the Yeshe Yahu and Yahushua, which are basically variants on the same uh, title because they both yes. talked about the same things. Uh, we have been with child, and we've been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We've not accomplished any deliverance in the earth, nor have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Um, your dead shall live. I'll read one more um, stanza here. Together with my dread body, my I'm sorry, together with my dead body, there shall arise, awake and sing when you dwell in dust, for your dew, like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. So uh, let's pause there, and um, Mark, I'll go to you this time first. All right. Well, we're on verse 15, so here we go. Uh, here's a Zamra. <clears throat> you have increased the nation, Israel, Hashem, verse 15. You have given them increased Torah, greatness and glory. And the more you have increased them, the more you are glorified, because they give thanks and praises before you over every goodness, whereas this was not the practice of the nations, and for this reason you have distanced them from before you. That is the nations. And that's Rashi. Okay, so here's what uh, I'm going to say. Uh, speak of the dead. Um, Rashi, here he is on verse 15. I'm sorry. Speak of the devil. Okay, you have added to the nation of Israel. Uh, Tanhuma uh, Pinchas is what the uh, verse, or, or uh, 16, chapter 16. You added to them Torah and greatness and honor, and the more you added to them, the more you were honored. For they thank you and praise you for all the bounty, unlike the custom of the heathen, um, like Asaph. Now, therefore, you rejected that from before you all other ends of the earth. In other words, all distant nations. Behold, in their bounty, in this manner, the Israelites bestow praise and honor upon you and in their straits, the places where they get tight. Okay, now the, uh, the people are trusting Yah, or praising Yah, for his destruction of the Amalekites, the Moavi, Gog and Magog, all the wicked heathen tribes that came up against Israel and her Yah. Here's Rashi on verse 16. It said, Oh, yeah, in their straits they remembered you. They do not question your retributions, is what is the way that Rashi uh, describes that. Now, I think it's as plain as the nose on your face that Yehuda took Yah seriously 
and knew that it was he who had brought them through their hard times. I see the analogy here that Yah had led them through spaces where they had to, tra to traverse in a single file line, for the valleys were that tight, or the walkways had to had a deep precipice on one side and sheer walls above on the other side. You know what I mean? It's like you're walking on a little a little ridge, maybe a foot and a half wide, and you get to and you got you got a sheer climb or a sheer fall on either side. Okay. Um, let's see where as long as they kept their eyes on Yah who led them, they were cool. And I'll bet that when he got them to the end of the precipice. He gave them a glimpse of what they'd just come through, just to prove that they could truly trust him to lead them through the straight and narrow, blindfolded if necessary. They pour out prayer, the pouring of speech and prayer. When they understood what he had brought them through. Okay, I'll the hour break. We'll pick it up. Mark, we'll go back to you after that. And I pray. Don't take me soon, cause I am here for a reason. Sometimes in my tears I drown, but I never let it get me down. So when negativity surrounds, I know something either lost or around because all my life I've been waiting for, I've been praying for, for the people to say that we don't wanna fight no more. Welcome to the Torah Teachers Roundtable, Apostolic Edition, with your hosts Rob Miller, Mark Patron, and yours truly, Mark Call. We hope you'll find this discussion entertaining, thought-provoking, and that above all, you'll be like the Bereans and search out the scriptures for yourself to see if these things be true. All right, we are back, folks. This is the Torah Teachers Roundtable Tanakh edition, and um, we are, um, I believe, going to go back to MP if that's uh, if that's correct, because we interrupted you at the top of the hour, right, Mark? Um, no, actually, I was uh, I was finished, and and uh, Ray was. Uh, I got Ray. Okay, sorry, my mistake. Mic, I uh, I've got just a comment or two. Uh, I, I uh, looking back to uh, verse seventeen, uh, and again I'm I'm reading out of ESV, so uh, this may be slightly different translation. It says, "Like a pregnant woman who writhes and cries out in her pangs." When she is near to giving birth, so were we because of you, O Yehovah. So to that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of, kind of assume that that's another way of saying you dragged us here kicking and screaming the whole way. Um, and, and I, and I think that's, that's, uh, in many ways probably true. Uh, but the, the, the question is, and we, in the next verse, it says, we were pregnant, we writhed, but we have given, uh, in mine, I have Yalad Ruach, in the Hebrew, birth to wind. 
Yeah. Um, now there's a, there's an obvious uh, translation to that that we won't go into, but yeah, um, it, it's it, it seems pretty interesting here that uh, that again the the analogy of a woman in birth is is I'm obviously in other words it's a painful thing to to bring forth this wonderful creation into this world. It, it takes a little pain. It takes a little sweat. It, I mean, it's it's a it, it's a painful thing for the woman to do that. But but when it's done, uh, all all is forgotten. You know, it, it's in all this. And yet it, it says, but uh, in verse eighteen, but we've accomplished no no deliverance. I think that's uh, yeah, that's Yeshua there. Uh, we've accomplished no Yeshua in the earth, and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. So I guess my question in all of this, if this is being pointed towards us and we're given the analogy of a woman um, travailing in birth, it says we, we haven't produced we haven't produced. Uh, what have we? I guess I'll, I'll put it this way. What have we produced? If anything, have we given birth to the spirit, the Ruach? Uh, is that's what we were to was was that our stated goal? Is that what we are supposed to do? And again, um can the can the goy can the the nations the world uh, the world around us can they learn righteousness therefore by our example or not I I, I don't know it, it's it, it's kind of interesting it's a pretty um, kind of a kind of sort of a starchy uh, uh, kind of a starchy thing that that the, that the believers are being. Uh, accused of if you will if i'm reading it, at least that's the way i'm reading it you you all may have a different thought on that and i'd be interested to hear it okay <clears throat> where exactly was that again uh that was uh verses 17 and 18 Sir, okay. 17 yeah 17 is kind of the 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 simile to the the woman in birth uh and all that and it says you know uh uh and and we were the same way because of you yehovah and then it goes on in 18 to say you know we were pregnant and we writhed and we, you know, we did all this, but we we gave birth to to the to spirit, gave birth to wind. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll be getting there, but it's going to be a while. <laughs> oh, I thought you had already covered this ground. All right. I'm back on verse 15. Oh, okay. I must. I, I'm sorry. I I'm, no, ahead, right. I'm right. ahead of the crew. You're allowed. Well, in that case, MP, go ahead. Go ahead and catch up. Yep. Yep. Okay. We have increased the nation, Israel, Hashem, in verse 15. You have given them increased Torah, greatness and glory. And the more you have increased them, the more you are glorified, because they give thanks and praises before you for every goodness. Whereas this was not the practice of the nations, and for this reason, you have distanced them from before you. That is the nations. That's according to Rashi. Okay. Now, speak of the um, speak of Rashi. Uh, here he is on verse fifteen. He says, "You have added to the nation of Israel." Tanhuma Pinchas sixteen, I believe, is what he's quoting. You added to them Torah and greatness and honor, and the more that you added to them, the more you were honored. For they thank you and praise you for all the bounty, unlike the custom of the heathens, uh, variation of Esau, I believe is what it says here. <clears throat> Therefore, 
you rejected from before you all the ends of the earth. In other words, all the distant nations. Behold, in their bounty, in their bounty, in this manner, the Israelites bestow praise and honor upon you, and in their straits, even when they're in a tight spot. Okay, straits are that way. I've been, I've been in the Straits of Magellan. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's pretty tight. Anyway, the people are praising Yah for his destruction of the Amalekites, the Moabi, Gog, Umagog, all the wicked heathen tribes that came up against Israel and her Yah. That's what, that's a basic outline of what it says in 15. Now, here's Rashi on verse 16, and this is very brief. O Lord, in their straits they remembered you. They do not question your retributions. Okay? They understand that you're doing this because they transgressed and they, they've got to learn a lesson. Now, I think it's as plain as a nose on your face that Yehuda took Yah seriously and knew that it was he who had brought them through their hard times. I see the analogy here that Yah had led them through spaces where they had to traverse in a single file line, where the valleys were that tight, or the walkways had a deep precipice to one side, sheer walls on the other. As long as they kept their eyes on Yah, who led them, they were cool. And I'll bet that when he got them to the end of the precipice, he gave them a glimpse of what they'd just come through, just to prove that they could truly trust him to lead them through the straight and narrow blindfolded if necessary. Okay, so they pour out prayer. The pouring of speech and prayer. That's uh, the way that Rashi interprets that. Now, when they understood that he had brought them through and that he had had their well-being in his hands the whole way, there was nothing to fear if they would obey and stay focused on him. They were effusive in their prayer and thanksgiving. When your chastising, or I'm sorry, chastening is upon them, when they were chastened, when your chastening comes upon them, so is their prayer, okay? They thank him for the chastening because it, it teaches them the lesson. Now, Rashi is saying that as long as our minds are stayed on Yah and just doing as he commands, he watches over us, he literally directs our feet, to the surest foothold, so that there is no chance of us falling over the edge. He may even have placed an invisible barrier to keep us from falling over the edge. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> and possibly scary in itself? I would probably have added a thick fog just to make our discovery, once out of the physical danger, make me trust him even more. Here's a Zamra on verse 16. Hashem, and I'll, and I'll finish with this. Hashem, in trouble they besought you. They poured out a, sing, a silent prayer when your chastening was upon them, in verse 16. In their future song of salvation, Israel recalls how, they, how their very suffering in exile caused them to seek out Elohim through prayer. Imagine the walk I described earlier. And I'm talking, this is me talking now, two sentences. Imagine the walk I described earlier. Fog, sheer wall on one side, two, two to three foot ledge to walk on, which with a sheer drop of thousands of feet only to land on piles of fallen, sharp-edged boulders would not be a good thing. 
which describes what was going on spiritually around Israel at this time. <clears throat> the important part, Yah brought them all through unharmed physically. Okay? Brought them through physically unharmed. They may have questioned why he would do that to them, but that would only be because they really didn't trust him. Anyway, that's what I got through verse 16 of this chapter, verse 26, chapter 26. So go on to 17 and 18. All right, that's, I will. That's, that's what we were talking about before, so you're oh, caught up now, so okay. keep going. You just can't wait to hear me drone. I, I got questions about those verses. I'm looking for some other material, yeah. <laughs> All right. Zamra has this on 17 and 18. Um, verses 17 and following depict the tribulations prior to the final redemption as the painful contractions of a woman screaming as she is about to deliver. It was as if we gave birth to wind. No salvations were brought in the earth, and it seemed as if the inhabitants of the earth would not fall. Israel recalls how it seemed as if all the pains and tribulations were for nothing, because no baby was born. There was no redemption, no salvation. In the darkness of the exile, it seemed as if the wicked nations would never fall. And then it says to see Rashi on verse 18, and I'm not going to do that. When I read this in the KJV, it more reminded me of a person with chronic flatulence who was unable to pass the gas, as it were. The description reminds, of ex reminds me, rather, of exactly what, of that, rather, hallelujah, that it doesn't happen on a regular basis. The gaseous buildup without relief is very painful. And I don't know a lot of docs who are eager to supply patients with the remedy if you catch my drift. Hey, MC, did I sufficiently circumlocute that and get the point across at the same time? Uh, <laughs> that actually, was what I was trying to do. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I honestly okay. not sure, MP, but you can uh, you can wait and see whether you get any feedback from the listeners. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was trying to to, to circumlocute that some. <clears throat> anyway, most of the audience understands, I'm sure. The pain that Yah used was something as painful, or even more, so uh, more so rather than what I just spoke of, and with what I have had personal experience. I have had personal experience. Birth pangs. Okay, I haven't had birth pangs, but my wife has, and it's as bad on the husband as it is on the wife. You ladies who are mothers by natural birth fully understand, I'm sure, the severity of the pain is the point. But the pain of childbirth is almost immediately forgotten when mama is handed her baby. The more or less minor discomfort during the birthing healing process is more than made up for by the child itself. I watched the change of countenance in my lovely bride when she was introduced to our firstborn son, Peter. Let's have a look at Rashi on verse 18. Is that okay if I go to verse 18? Sure. Okay. Okay. We conceived, we shuddered. A shudder like a woman giving birth, as though we had given birth as though we were close to being redeemed, yet it was wind and no salvation. That's what Rashi has to say in verse 18. Mm, okay. The point Yeshayahu makes is that what we are reaping isn't something wonderful, like 
the newborn child, but something dreadful and painful, like being conquered by sadistic, at first, at least, conquerors who are about to drive us out of our land, gift from Yah, with no end in sight of the captivity. Indeed, we wreak no, we wreak no salvation in the land. Okay, we have suffered everything, and our troubles, we do not understand for ourselves a salvation. Rashi in, well, I'm not going to, um, Warsaw edition reads, with all our suffering and our trouble, we do not prepare salvation for ourselves. Uh, with all of our pains and all of our troubles, we do not bring salvation for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Same manuscripts read, throughout our troubles, we do not see any salvation. Others read, we do not recognize any salvation. Others read, we cannot prepare for ourselves any salvation. Well, no duh. We cannot earn our salvation in these sin-prone bodies that are driven by a sinful mind. That's why we needed a sinless Redeemer, and why Yah had to come in flesh to do the atonement for us, one who was perfectly sinless to propitiate for us. You know what propitiate means, don't you? He pays for us. Okay. Neither do the inhabitants of the world fall. The nations, a variation of the word of the children of Esau, okay, who are the inhabitants of the world since they conquered and filled the earth, do not fall. And Jonathan rendered um, Yiflu as an expression related to Exodus 33.16, and wonders shall be wrought. Uh, okay, for me and your people. The inhabitants of the world cannot perform a wonder. The inhabitants of the world just can't do it. But Yah can do it, and he does it all the time. So anyway, that's what I got through verse 18. All right. I'll ask Thank you. Again. I appreciate hearing that. That was kind of what I was thinking about all that, but uh, interesting to hear the... Uh, the, the commentaries. Back to you, MC. All right. If we're ready to read on, then I'll go ahead and do that. Let's um, yep. let's just finish with the um, the end of the chapter here. Now, what I'm going to suggest right as I read this 20th verse and the last couple verses in the chapter is uh, this sounds a lot like another place that I quote fairly frequently, come out of her, my people, don't participate in the sin so you don't partake of the plagues, touch not the unclean thing. There are a number of verses that sound a bit like this, and here's another one. Come, my people, enter your chambers. Now, notice why. And shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is passed. So again, the the sound it sounds like um, come out of her, be separate, because the, the you know what's going to hit the fan. You want to be well away from all this, till the indignation is passed. For behold, Yahuwah comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their toralistness, their iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood, and will no more cover her her slain. So I mean, I think the implications are clear. Um, the question is just. Um, Exactly when are we talking here, and, and what's the context of all this? So uh, as, as we get to the end of the chapter, and um, obviously, you know, the chapter um, demarcations are kind of arbitrary, but I can't help but think 
maybe there's some some discussion that we need to have about as to when actually all this looks like. You know that if you go back and you read uh, most of the commentaries, they'll say, oh, this this happened in the past, and uh, there are things here that apply to, quote, unquote, the church and so forth. I'm not quite on that camp. Uh, Ray, let me go to you first this time. Well, uh, uh, going going on back uh, to verse 20, you were talking about, uh, come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors. Uh, I, I'm reminded, let's see, where is it? Revelation 14.10. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured out full strength, the cup of his anger. He will uh, be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, there's there there's there's stuff. Uh, Stuff yet to come, I, I think, with this. And again, uh, that uh, what we what we see is Isaiah is um, looking in his own time frame and, and all that. But he also has the he has the vision of uh, of uh, uh, of the the long view of what's going on. And so he's getting. Uh, I think we're seeing things here certainly that apply to to future times as well. Okay. I guess I won't argue with that. Um, uh, Mark, you got anything you want to, you want to add to it? What's to argue with? (laughs) 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 Um, No, unless you want to move on. I've got uh, another couple of three verses here. Oh, no. No, we're we're pretty much at the end of this chapter. chapter. Yeah. Oh, have you read through the end of the chapter? Yeah, I just did. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I'm uh, I'm stuck back at verse 19, so. Well, you can become unstuck. I can become <laughs> unstuck, okay. All right, here we go. Yeshayahu tells us in verse 19 that resurrection shall occur in our future. Exactly when is not given, but I can pretty much guarantee that we are about uh, 2,800, 2,900 years closer to it than Yeshayahu was. Okay? Uh, and by the way, I, uh, I got that from Google, so it's got to be true. Now, <laughs> Unless, of course, it's got to do with political correctness and you want to have a picture drawn of something. Oh, uh, when I see somebody says Google, I say, yeah, it's got to be true. Because <laughs> I know Google's listening. Anyway, <laughs> where was I? Okay, Azamra has this note on verse 19. The dead men of thy people shall live. My dead body shall arise, in verse 19. Previously, he prayed that the wicked should not live, but here he prays that the righteous should live. That's according to Rashi. It is as if the prophet puts words into the mouth of Hashem to decree the, re- the resurrection of the dead murder. Now, that was Yeshayahu saying that he will be resurrected. Not when he'll resurrect exactly, but that he will resurrect in new heaven, earth, at the latest. He may be one of the witnesses in Revelation 11. Uh, Revelation 11, verses 3 through, uh, what, 12. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees, the two candlesticks standing before Elohim in the earth. And if any man will hurt them, 
fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues and often, as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. <laughs> that tells you what they think of Jerusalem. Yeah. Where also Yeshua was crucified. And they of the people of the kindreds of, and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from Elohim entered into them and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them that saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld, beheld them. Okay? That would be kind of scary, wouldn't it? If that's exactly what will happen, and it is, the whole earth will be watching their persecutors on their view screens for about three and a half days. Close enough for Yeshua, to Yeshua, Yeshua's sojourn in the grave that the guys that love the entire human population enough to warn them of their future plight, if they did not repent, and ask Yah's forgiveness for their sins, which he will grant if the Gen Pop agree that they are sinners and need his redemption. But there won't be a whole lot of that happening, and when the witnesses are received into heaven in that day, the doors to the kingdom will be sealed. Here's Rashi on verse 19. Now we got about 30 seconds, don't we? May your dead live above. In verse 14, he prayed and the wicked should not that the wicked should not live. And here he prayed that the righteous. All right, uh, again, we're at the break. Back
All right, folks, we are at the uh, bottom of the hour, heading into the last segment for today. Um, I, I know we'll finish Chapter 26, and uh, we may not get much further, because when we went to break, uh, Ray had indicated that after MP brought up Revelation and some of the things there, and I actually had kind of some similar sentiments, uh, there were some uh, some interesting uh, rabbit holes that might need to be explored. So let me just, while we're still hot on the topic, or at least with the interruption of the break, go to Ray and let him talk about what he wanted to do there. I just uh, I noted that in uh, Isaiah twenty six twenty, it 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 really grabbed me. Uh, uh, that there's a, a verse that it took me to. It says, "Come, my people, and enter your chambers. Shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by." I would uh, take the uh, uh, listeners to Revelation, uh, if I can get my computer to do it. Uh, to Revelation, uh, well, I lost it. <laughs> Come on. It's Revelation 8.1. Uh, oh, here it is. Finally got it back. Uh, and it, uh, re- there it says, and when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Yeah. That's a kind of a curious scripture, and uh, lots of folks have thought lots of different things about this. Um, it's now what I'm going to say is my belief. Uh, you don't have to believe it if you don't want to in all this. I, I think what's being described at this juncture in Revelation is, um, this thing that we read about, uh, the, the time of Jacob's trouble, the day of the Lord, all of this sort of thing. When we finally get to the point where the Lord comes back and he is going to rearrange the furniture on this planet. Uh, and all this, I don't think it's going to take him uh, long to do so. I, I think as this happens, that uh, all those, uh, you'll note that almost every uh, heavenly description that we get from John in the book of Revelation is this just riotously glorious uh, praising that's going on. And just, I mean, heaven is just this uh, praise and worship just uh, amazing thing going on, praising the Father's name and all this. And yet when we get to this point, everybody knows that, okay, justice is now going to be meted out. And it's it's the old thing that, you know, when we were little kids, if your brother or sister got into trouble and mom caught you snickering when the other one was going to get their, going to get their SWAT, guess what? You got two SWATs instead of <laughs> instead of the brother or sister getting one. I, it, I think it's one of those deals. And I think for all who are in heaven watching, they're quiet and respectful. And uh, if you will, it's my personal belief that this is Yom Kippur. But uh, that, that it's, it's, a solemn, it's a solemn time. Nobody, n- nobody's going to be snickering at, at that point in time when things go on. And, and I'll further add to this and, and throw a, a grenade in here that um, <clears throat> I personally believe that there are places in Scripture that indicate that those that uh, th- those who are uh, on the earth uh, and this and that are uh, are spared the wrath. I think that verse back in uh, Isaiah just a minute ago alludes to that. That that there are times that that happens. I personally think that if, uh, and I believe very much in the concept of a greater exodus and all of this, if, if those who have uh, managed to endure to the end of this 
horrendous seven-year process and, and have gotten to that finish line, um, I've always had the question in my mind, well, I get, I get in the Old Testament how even, even with the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea and all that, they were all walking together. I get how they got there. But when you talk about bringing people from all over the entire earth back to one spot together, that's a whole different class of miracle. And I, and I, and I personally think, and I'll use the word rapture, although it's, it's not a, uh, and I'll, I'll go on to clarify my position in a moment, but, uh, it's, it's, I think at the very end that that is exactly what happened. We get pulled out just before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And I think the Lord comes back to the earth and does what he has to do to make ready for his return to the Mount of Olives. And all that, and I think we miss that, uh, I, that, that little piece of it. I think we miss it. I think we're gone for a half an hour, <laughs> if you will. Uh, the notion, the notion that much of the evangelical, uh, uh, church holds that there is this, uh, pre-trib rapture, I, I'm awfully sorry to say, I just think it is a heresy from hell. Uh, uh because it, it, it encourages people to not listen. It encourages exactly. people when God's hand is high and he's showing you things to ignore it because it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be there anyway. Scotty, it give gives us people up. an excuse. Not, yeah. yeah. Exactly Scotty's right. going to beam us up, right? Um, and all that. And, um, if you actually read the history of, of, of the, of the rapture doctrine, it's, I don't know how anybody, I don't know how anybody can fall for it. And I don't mean to belittle people in their beliefs, but, uh, it just it doesn't hold water scripturally, um, but but the notion of us being pulled out at, at that time of the great and dreadful day of the Lord that does make some some sense to me, and I, I know I, I know I'm kind of uh, I'm off topic with all this, but I think this is one of those verses that kind of helps us perhaps see some of that because here in Isaiah he's talking about hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed. And then, for behold, the Lord is coming from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their inequity. Does, that's, that could be straight out of Revelation. You know, Absolutely. so, so I think, I think there is, I, I think there's some linkage here, at least in my mind. And so I'll turn it over to you all. Okay. Well, yeah, I want to, before, before we go back to MP, I want to, I want to make one more observation. I hadn't thought about this. But uh, he kept Please. mentioning in the verses he read for three and a half days, three and a half days having to do with the two witnesses. And I remember yes, when it comes to heresies of the church, one of them has to do with this idea of Good Friday through Ishtar Sun God Day, perhaps the biggest heresy of all, that uh, we should rename the most important event in all of human history after a pagan sun goddess. And and I can't help but think, you know, I remember yeah. when I was a little kid, it always bugged me. How can three days and three nights, how can three days even, end up being from Friday to Sunday? Because nothing fits, and I always thought, you know, what kind of God can't count? The answer, a fake one well, that has been replaced uh, with... Well, but but that's the point. So it's interesting to me that your uh, your rendering there specified three and a half days, and I'm thinking if we didn't get it before three and a half days, I ought to put any of that to bed as far as whether or not this is uh, you know yes. even a remotely similar situation because it just doesn't fit. And and like well, so many heresies, Thursday. 
Say, okay. yeah. That'll give you three and a half days. <laughs> Say it again, Mark. I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Christ himself says you'll receive no sign uh, but the sign of Jonah. Yeah. You know, if you're looking for a sign, this is the one you're going to get. You figured out. Come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, and, okay. again, and, and again, we get that time frame in, in the book of Jonah as well. Um, yeah. It, 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 it is amazing. There are so many. Oftentimes there's so many inconsistencies with the sort of Sunday school versions of things that we've been taught. And and, you know, I, it, it's it's one of those things that. Uh, you know, your, your, uh, your intro, Mark, to this show, you, you talk about the Bereans. And, yep. and the whole point of this is, you know what? Don't take our word for it, folks. Get out your Bibles and look. Go yeah, do some studies. Go. Spend a little time with the Lord. You know, he'll, you open the book, he'll open the book to you. You need to spend some time in there for yourself and find a, find a question that you don't have an answer to, something you're passionate about. You don't get and say, Lord, please show me in the scriptures where I can figure this this darn thing out, because I want to know. Boy, he'll open your eyes. He he really will. So, yeah, that, that that's something we all need to do. Okay. Well, and, right. and I would encourage folks to, if there's any doubt about the pre-trib rapture and whether or not it just doesn't fit, read the story in Matthew 24, where Yeshua says, in that day, there'll be two women grinding at the mill and two men and, and so forth. And ask yourself, yep. ask yourself if the pattern isn't really clear, do you want to be left behind or do you want to be, um, taken away? Because there isn't any the doubt taken, yeah. when you see how it pans out. Yep. Okay. Yep. Are I'd we ready? <laughs> uh, Mark, if you've got if you've got some more, go ahead and do that, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll pick it up when you, when yes, you're finished. I um, I I got about five or six minutes here, and I'll be done with my notes on chapter twenty six. So, um, here's Rashi, uh, and I'm in verse nineteen. Um, May your dead live. That's what he's commenting on. Now above. In verse 14, he prayed that the wicked should not live. And here he prayed that the righteous should live. I beseech you that those who were slain for your sake come to life. This is what Rashi is saying to Yah. May a royal edict emanate from you saying, My corpses shall rise. The corpses of my people who made themselves corpses for my sake, they shall be raised up. This is the opposite of what was written above in verse 14. Slackers shall not rise. These, however, shall rise. Believe it or not, that's what Rashi said. Slackers shall not rise. Hmm. Uh, I guess they aren't slackers then, and those who are slain for Yah's sake aren't either. But those who turn their backs on Yah, slackers. Okay? Absolutely. Now, verse 19 shows us our faith. If we stay true to Yah and enter the Olam Haba, the world to come, Yeshayahu is speaking of the sleeping believers and is recalling the soul to their flesh, which Yah will reconstitute if you catch my drift. He's going to re, uh, reunite Reanimate. The, the soul and the body. Okay? Um, 
he raises, he'll raise the decayed, perhaps powdery dust of the flesh, and perhaps the still intact skeletal structure, and remake it into the most handsome and strongest physique. Sorry, MC, I know that really hurts. Now back to Rashi. Okay. <laughs> Mark is hey, I'm counting on it. Yeah, I'm Anyways, still thinking about that. <laughs> Okay, so for a dew of lights is your due. And now the dew of lights is your due. That is dew that falls from the sky or that, that forms on the grass. For it is fitting for you to do so that the dew of your Torah and your commandments shall, shall be to them due for light. Okay? Torah is the dew of which Rashi speaks. It settles on our fallow ground, our soul, or our mind, and softens it so that Yah's word can be planted in it and grow to maturity, which that's hard for me, maturity. And to the earth you shall cast the slackers, and to the earth and to the dust you shall cast the land of the slackers who slackened their hands from your Torah. Can you believe that, that this this solid uh, Hebrew uh, prophet, as it were, used the word slackers. It's absolutely incredible. I love it. Anyway, three times Yah used the word slacker or slacken in this quote from Rashi. To slacken is to release absolute control to the subject of your call. My dictionary says to decrease or reduce in intensity, quantity, or speed to slacken. Hmm. So the word slacken means to reduce intensity or to be a slacker is to pay less attention to detail. If you were in the Navy, everything is about attention to detail. I'm here to tell you. I was there 23 years. <laughs> everything is about attention to detail. Here's Rashi's last point on verse 19. You shall cast the slackers, since he stated, verse 18, Neither do the inhabitants of the word world fall. He repeats, you cast them down for your, our merits do not suffice to cast them down. Okay. I can't do that, but you, Yah, you can. Rashi is saying that his subject is unworthy of attention since he cares so little about the outcome of his deeds or his work. Azamra has this on verse 19. The dead men of their of thy people shall live. My dead body shall arise. Previously, he prayed to the wicked, rather that the wicked should not live. But here he prays that the righteous should live. It is as if the prophet puts words into the mouth of Hashem to decree the resurrection of the dead martyrs. And that's what I got through verse 19. I do have stuff on verses 20 and 21. Okay. We can go there if we want to. Are, are we ready, Ray, or do you want, uh, you want to go ahead and continue? Well, I, I think probably it would be uh, wisdom for us to to draw to a close chapter 26 today. I don't think <laughs> we're going to get very far. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. 27. Okay. Yeah, let's so do So let's it. go ahead and finish up 26, and we'll Good start idea. new with 27 I, next I week. Got, I got two or three minutes worth here. Azamra has this on verse 20. Come, my people, enter into your chambers. Radak, 
explains that this verse contains the prophet's counsel to the people of Israel in the time of the war of Gog and Magog. At that time, Israel will be, listen now, this is important. At that time, Israel will be in dire trouble for a short time. In other words, this hasn't happened yet. The prophet advises the people, at least when they wrote this, the prophet advises the people to seclude themselves in good deeds and complete teshuvah, for the anger will only be for a short moment and the good will be saved. Rashi explains that the chambers allude to the synagogues and study halls in which Israel are to gather in the time of crisis, or to the inner chambers of the heart in which each one should conduct his or her own self, deep self-reckoning. I know all, um, I'm, I know all y'all have heard me say before that I think that we, the United States, entered the Gog-Umagog War when we started backing Zelensky's Ukraine almost three years ago and pumped a trillion or more dollars into that constantly flushing toilet of war that the Ukraine cannot win, especially when its fighting men are virtually extinct and Zelensky is throwing our money into a trash pit to burn and sending women to the front to die. Did I get that pretty close to correct? I think I did. As I said, I think that this is the start of the Gog-Umagog War which saw a few front a new front rather open on October 7th 2023 when Hamas invaded Israel and murdered Israelites as they worshiped Elohim on their highest holy day of the Jewish year Hamas is despicable and so is Zelensky let's see what Rashi has to say about these verses and this will finish me here we go go my people come into your chambers this reply, they replied to the prophet, Go, my people, come into your chambers, into the synagogues and the study houses. Alternatively, think about your deeds in the chambers of your heart. In this manner, Rabbi Tanhuma expounded it. Now, Yah is telling the people, this is me talking now, Yah is telling the people to go into their private study halls wherever they may be. Mine is in my basement from whence I actually do this program and my Shabbat Bible studies on Peltalk. I call it my Kodesh Kadashim, Sanctum Sanctorum, Holy of Holies. Sorry, but Marvel's Doctor Strange was my favorite when I was about 10 or 12 years old. So that's why I call it the Sanctum Sanctorum. Uh, that was his study hall. All of that leading to this. Close your door about you, Jonathan Renders. Do good deeds that will protect you. Rabbi Tanhuma, however, expounded, close the doors of your mouth so as not to question the divine standard of justice. That, my friend, is good advice. As I can be somewhat quick to make an idiot of myself, I don't think I'm quick to question Yah's standard of justice, but I am just a guy, so I need to be cautious. And, speaking of cautious, Verse 20 ends with hide. It says, hide a little until the wrath passes, for indeed I will visit upon your enemies. Hiding is not just keeping yourself out of sight, but keeping your mouth shut, which is very hard for me. Okay, verse 21 says, for behold, Yah comes forth. 
from the divine standard of mercy to the divine standard of justice. That's what we're talking about here. Okay? He's coming from the divine standard of mercy to the divine standard of justice. He's going to be merciful to us. He will be uh, absolutely just to those who go to the lake of fire or whatever. Anyway, that's what I got for today. Okay. Uh, We've got about three minutes. Yeah, we don't have much time. Why don't we just wrap things up with some summary, if you want, Ray? Yeah, um, I'll I'll just tag on for just a second to MB and his comment uh, on verse 20. There's a verse uh, in Amos that I think is uh, particularly appropriate. It's uh, Amos 5.13, and it says, Therefore, he who is prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. So there is certainly there's certainly good uh, scriptural advice for uh, sometimes you just need to be quiet. I think that's again we're back to the Amen. Revelation eight uh, quotation again that that the the angels, the created creatures, all the just everything about creation realizes it's a time to be silent. It's a time to be solemn. It's it's this is not a happy time. There is no happiness in any of this. It's just one of those things that must be done. And, and nobody takes any joy in it, you know. And I think that's part of what's being uh, yeah. verbalized here. And I think Isaiah saw it. Uh, Isaiah saw it just as sure as, as uh, John did, you know. So oh, absolutely. I, Isaiah, was a, Isaiah was the closest thing, I think, in the Old Testament to Yeshua, Okay. And, mm-hmm. and, and I really do. Uh, yeah. He was he was a really really uh, he was after Yah's heart, and there was no two ways about it. Okay, he was yeah, just absolutely. after Yah's heart to be his own. Well, and I'm I'm really looking forward to next week as we get into uh, 27 because the subject in 27 is talking about what is it the remnant. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that is and that is a, a a topic that is just near and dear because we see it we see it play out throughout Scripture. This is not a majority movement, folks. This is it this is about been. those who keep their nose nose to the ground, their eyes on uh, the prize, and their mouth shut, <laughs> and a few other things that I have trouble <laughs> with as well. But uh, yeah, it's uh, so it'll be it'll be really interesting. I think we'll see some really great parallels to next week's uh, scriptures and uh, and what's going on in the world. And, and and interesting right now, Netanyahu, he's he's pushing very hard to get this thing mopped up in the next two weeks in Gaza. All right. Well, lots going on. Thanks, guys. So long, folks.